Good morning. I'm Wimala, and today is May 24th. And let's read a little bit today and try to have a longer sit than we've had, at least 15 minutes for a sit. So we can read from the book we've been dipping into. Becoming Your Own Therapist, I know it's backwards, Becoming Your Own Therapist by Lama Yeshe, who's a Tibetan Lama, uh, and he's no longer here. He died in uh, 85, but this is a beautiful book, and it really applies to all of us, whether you're Buddhist or not. I was going to say whether, regardless of the tradition you're in, but it's regardless of whether you think of yourself as a Buddhist or just a human being. Whatever whatever spiritual path, or even if you're not on a spiritual path, his um, I think he's got some very very beautiful ways to look at how to be how to find happiness in this world. So we left, we ended his talk on your mind is your religion. And he's saying, when I talk about mind, I'm not just talking about my mind, my trip. I'm talking about the mind of each and every universal living being. And he stops and then he has some uh, really good questions at the end of this chapter. So I'll read some of these today. How do you check up on your own mind? How do you do it? The answer, a simple way of checking up on your own mind is to investigate how you perceive things, how you interpret your experiences. Why do you have so many different feelings about your boyfriend, even during the course of one day? In the morning, you feel good about him. In the afternoon, kind of foggy. Why is that? Has your boyfriend changed that radically from morning to afternoon? No, there's been no radical change. So why do you feel so differently about him? That's the way to check. That's a very good answer. (laughs) That's how we check our minds. And when he says investigate, that's be curious about it. Be curious about how you perceive things. If you can't, here's another question, this is a good one. If you can't trust your mind to make a decision, can you leave it to something outside? Like telling yourself, if such and such happens, I'll go here. If something else happens, I'll go there. The Lama's answer, before you do anything, you should ask yourself why you are doing it. What is your purpose? What course of action you are embarking on? If the path ahead seems troublesome, perhaps you shouldn't take it. If it looks worthwhile, you can probably proceed. First, check up. Don't ask without knowing what's in store for you. Then another question, which is a little off topic, but it might be interesting to all of us. What's a Lama? And the Lama answers, Lama Yeshe, good question. From the Tibetan point of view, a Lama is someone who is extremely well-educated in the internal world. 
and knows not only the present mind, but also the past and the future. Psychologically speaking, a Lama can see where he has come from and where he's going. He also has the power to control himself and the ability to offer psychological advice to others. Tibetans would consider would consider anyone like that to be a Lama. And when asked what would be the equivalent of a Lama in the West, he says, I don't know that we have the exact equivalent here. It could be some kind of combination of priest, psychologist, and doctor. But as I just said, a Lama has realized the true nature of his own and others' minds and can offer perfect solutions to others' mental problems. How does meditation, <coughs> excuse me, how does meditation help you make decisions? His answer, meditation works because it is not a method that requires you to believe in something, but rather one that you can put into action for yourself. You check or watch your own mind. If someone's giving you a hard time and your ego starts to hurt, instead of reacting, just take a look at what's going on. Think of how sound is simply coming out of the other person's mouth, entering your ear, and causing pain in your heart. If you think about this in the right way, it will make you laugh. You'll see how ridiculous it is to get upset by something so insubstantial then your problem will disappear. Poof, just like that. By practicing in this way, you will discover through your own experience how meditation helps and how it offers satisfactory solutions to all your problems. Meditation is not words, it's wisdom. Then he talks, has a long uh, answer about karma, but we'll skip that. It's not right on topic. Here's a question that might be of interest. Is the mind different from the soul? When you speak of solving the problems of the mind, do you mean that the mind is the problem and not the soul? His answer, philosophically, the soul can be interpreted in a no- number of ways. In, Christiana, in, in Christ, Christianity and Hinduism, the soul is different from the mind and is considered to be something permanent and self-existent. In my opinion, there's no such thing. In Buddhist terminology, the soul, mind, or whatever you call it, is ever-changing, impermanent. I don't really make a distinction between mind and soul, but within yourself, you can't find anything that's permanent or self-existent. With respect to mental problems, don't think that the mind is totally negative. It's the uncontrolled mind that causes problems. If you develop the right kind of wisdom and thereby recognize the nature of the uncontrolled mind, it will automatically disappear. But until you do, the uncontrolled mind will completely dominate you.
What is our mind's true nature and how do we go about recognizing it? There are two aspects to the mind's nature, the relative and the absolute. The relative is the mind that perceives and functions in the sense world. We also call that mind dualistic, and because of what I describe as it's that this perception, it is totally agitated in nature. That's very true, isn't it? We also call that mind dualistic, and because of what I describe as it's that this perception, it is totally agitated in nature. However, by transcending the dualistic mind, you can unify your view. At that time, you realize that absolute true nature of the mind, which is totally beyond the duality, in dealing with the sense world in our normal, everyday, mundane life, two things always appear. The appearance of two things always creates a problem. It's like children. One alone is okay. <laughs> two together always make trouble. Similarly, as our five senses interpret the world and supply dualistic information to our mind, our mind grasps at that view and that automatically causes conflict and agitation. This is the complete opposite of the experience of inner peace and freedom. Therefore, by reaching beyond that, you will experience perfect peace. Now, this is just a short reply to what you ask, and perhaps it's unsatisfactory because it's a big question. What I've said is merely a simple introduction to a profound topic. However, if you have some background in this subject, my answer might satisfy you. When you check your mind, does it always tell you the truth? His answer, no, not necessarily. Sometimes your wrong conception, your wrong conceptions answer. You shouldn't listen to them. Instead, you have to tell yourself, I'm not satisfied with what that mind says. I want a better answer. You have to keep checking more and more deeply until your wisdom responds. But it's good to question. If you don't ask questions, you'll never get any answers. But you shouldn't ask emotionally. Oh, what's that? What's that? What's that? I have to find out. I have to know. That's his, how he describes emotionally. If you have a question, write it down. Think about it carefully. Gradually, the right answer will come. It takes time. If you don't get an answer today, stick the question on your fridge. If you question strongly, answers will come, sometimes even in dreams. Why will you get answers? Because your basic nature is wisdom. Don't think that you're hopelessly ignorant. Human nature has both positive and negative aspects. Does humility always accompany wisdom? Yes, it's good to be as humble as possible. If you can act with both humility and wisdom all the time, your life will be wonderful. You will respect everybody. 
I've, are there exceptions to that rule? I've seen posters for one spiritual leader where it says, I, at whose feet all people bow. Could someone who makes a statement like that be wise? Well, it's hard to say just like that. The point is to be as careful as you can. Our minds are funny. Sometimes we are skeptical of things that are really worthwhile and completely accepting of things that we should avoid. Try to avoid extremes and follow the middle way, checking with wisdom wherever you go. That's the most important thing. And here's a, here's a, another interesting question. We may have to, let's see how our time is. It's moving along, okay. Why is there the difference between Easterners and Westerners that you mentioned? And the answer, the difference may not be all that great. Westerners might be slightly more complicated intellectually, but basically human beings are all the same. Most of the time we all want to enjoy and are preoccupied by pleasures of the senses. It's at the intellectual level that our characters may differ. The differences in relation to following gurus are probably due to Asian people having had more experience in them in this. And here's a, here's a, the, the last question is very it looks like it might be uh, maybe humorous, maybe maybe profound. The question is it more difficult to achieve wisdom in the West than in the East? Because in the West we are surrounded by too many distractions. Our minds talk too much about the past, the future, <clears throat> and we seem to be under so much pressure. Do we have to close ourselves off completely or what? The answer, I cannot say that gaining knowledge wisdom in the West is more difficult than in the East. Actually gaining wisdom, <clears throat> understanding your own nature, is an individual thing. You can't say it's easier in the East than in the West. Nor can you say that to, to nor can you say that to develop knowledge wisdom, you have to renounce the Western material life. You don't have to give it all up. <clears throat> Instead of radically abandoning everything, try to develop the outlook. I need these things, but I can't say they're all I need. The problem comes when grasping and attachment dominate your mind and you put all your faith in other people and material possessions. <clears throat> External objects aren't the problem. The problem is the grasping mind that tells you, I can't live without this. You can lead a life of incredible luxury, but at the same time be completely detached from your possessions. The pleasure you derive from them is much greater if you enjoy them without attachment. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you can manage that, your life will be perfect. Westerner, as Westerners, you have the advantage of getting all these things without too much effort. In the East, we really have to struggle to achieve some material comfort. 
As a result, there's a tendency to cling much more strongly to our possessions, which only results in more suffering. Either way, the problem is always attachment. Try simultaneously to be free of attachments while having them, while having them all. I hope I have answered your questions. Thank you all so much. And that was in uh, Australia. So that's enough uh, reading for today. Very good question and answers. And the next section is called A Buddhist Approach to Mental Illness. That will be, I think, interesting for a lot of us. So, very good book. Good to see everyone. Why don't we sit now? We have about 10, 15, 10 or 12 minutes to sit. <coughs> Allergies, they're, they're contained in my throat today. <laughs> So let's just be, start out being with your body. Uh, my body was really stiff when I got up this morning, and I was wondering what that was about. So just take, take time with the body. Let's even do a quick body scan, and then we can sit. Um, remember that a body scan is a perfectly good way to meditate. It is a good meditation. Everything we need to know is in this body. So good to, good to know the body, good to understand it, and uh, we feel things rising up in our body. You know, when something's trying to come to our attention, we can feel it somewhere in our body rising up. Um, and our senses are all connected and all in this body. So it's good not to ignore it. And we all know that often getting this body out into nature can be one of the most therapeutic things we can do. So get out for a walk if your body is calling for that. So why don't we sit and start at the, just relax, be in the same posture that you're, you're in already, whatever posture, and just start at the top of your head. And we're just going to travel all the way down from our head to our feet, just being aware We can be aware of feelings. We can just be aware of whether we're experiencing a sense of balance or not. But begin in the head, you can, you can be aware of feelings. If you have tightness, well, tightness isn't a feeling, but a, a, if you work with pleasant and unpleasant, you may notice a headache or you may notice 
some kind of pain if you're holding your jaw really tight. Maybe you can let that go. Just experience the body as it's presenting itself to you. Move through your entire head, inside and out, front and back and both sides. And if you feel a need uh, to, to readjust your posture, it's because you're aligning yourself, you're, you're being aware of where you're feeling out of alignment in the body. So that's okay. You can wiggle if you need to or change your posture or roll your shoulders back. Let it come into alignment to move through your head and down into your neck. I've been coughing this morning and I can feel that in my throat. Move into your shoulders, your upper shoulders. And then move down your arms from your shoulders to your upper arms. being aware of them, being aware of where they are in relation to the rest of your body, their connections to other things, other parts. Move down into your lower arms. You can be aware of skin and flesh and bones. to all of the elements contained in the body, to the hard, to the soft, to the liquid. And from your lower arms, move into your hands. Let your hands relax. Now come back to your upper chest and let's go through down through the trunk. So be aware of your upper chest and your upper back. As we move down, let's be aware of your spine. And you can feel if you're out of balance. You can notice some uh, of your breath in the top of your chest. But more likely, that's a, a weaker sense as you breathe. And as we're meditating, you can experience your breath. It's better to experience either it, it either through your, around your nostrils or down in your belly. You can just notice your belly rising and contracting. If you're only experiencing it in the top of your chest, it's probably too shallow a breath. Better if you can let it move all the way down. 
But be aware of your physical body now through your chest, your heart, down your, to your stomach, in the spine, in the back. Move down into your belly. All of your guts. And move into your pelvic area, your hips. Your lower back. Feel if you feel a good seated position. It's good for your body. There's usually a lot in this whole part of our body that we're often aware of. And move into your upper legs. Down through the knees, into the lower legs. And as you move into your feet, I just automatically want to wiggle my toes and move my feet. Move all the way down through your toes. And now let's just sit with that awareness of the body. Perhaps let this be a gratitude practice. Gratitude for this body. Gratitude for a human body. So we have so much capacity for reasoning and thinking and understanding a lot of these truths that we're encountering all the time. Gratitude for our health. We may be sick or have things that are chronically wrong with us or we feel ill uh, or we may feel chronic pain, but be grateful for the life you have.
And be grateful for the day. Be grateful. Find some things every day to be grateful for. Be grateful for your friends. Be grateful for your pets or the animals that you like to watch in nature. Grateful for family. And grateful for the friends that may be your main family. And grateful for the teachers in our lives. So now as our time comes to an end, if you can, just continue practicing. Just be with yourself quietly. Be with your mind. May everything we do and say and think today not only be for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of all sentient beings. We can become a refuge for others, and we can be our own refuge. So may all of you be well and happy and peaceful, and I will see you on Thursday.